0: You're listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley.
1: Hi, it's Chris and Susan Beasley here with another episode of Living the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast and Web Show. Welcome to everybody watching us live and our special thanks to our guest, Greg Ayler, all the way from Ohio. He's got something very exciting to share with you today, and we couldn't wait to get him on the show to talk about his book and some of the things that may be just a little bit controversial to you. So welcome to the show, Greg.
2: Thanks for having me, Chris and Susan. Uh, Really happy to be here and uh, excited to uh, chit chat with you today.
1: Absolutely lovely. And it was so nice chatting to you before. So let's get right to it. So we've got a copy of your book, pretty well thumbed. Um, We've got some questions to ask you, but perhaps you'd let our viewers and listeners know a little bit of your background before we get into some of the deeper questions.
2: Sure. So my background, uh, small town, Ohio, Midwest uh, in America, grew up pretty typical family. Dad was a factory worker, mom's a school teacher and uh you know over my life I I went off to college, got into finance, and then law school. Um so ended up going and working for the largest law firm in the world at Kirkland Ellis in, in Chicago for about half a decade. Realized that making rich people richer was not for me and not my <laughs> my life's calling. So, uh, took a risk, resigned, and opened a uh, estate planning law shop for folks like my parents. You know, everyday folks, we call them the other 95 percenters, right? You know, everything seems to be geared in the professional service world for the ultra high net worth, but nobody really takes care of everyone else. So, we built a a law firm, uh, grew it to about 14 offices across the state, uh, where we focus really on helping people navigate retirement from a legal standpoint, which is essentially trusts, wills, powers of attorney, what happens, you know, you know, in those kind of life and aging situations mm-hmm. where they kind of get left behind and overcharged by attorneys or lose their house to the nursing home. And that really spawned us into building Golden Reserve, which is the financial company, then the company that, you know, the, the large company now that I work for, um, is essentially the same equivalent, but for finances, right? It was after seeing all those statements and balance sheets of retirees getting taken as advantage of by their financial advisors, uh, we said enough is enough. And we started building a financial company. And from there, it just kind of took off and really targeting, knowing who we talk to is, is what makes us, you know, I think very effective that we know we're not talking to the multimillionaires we're talking to the people you know everyday folks like the you know my parents and and most people out there that are kind of confused or getting taken advantage of exploited and and they're not getting the services they actually need they're just getting the leftover services from this kind of antiquated model that has been kind of forced upon them by the industry
1: i know and it's so scary i mean because of the industry we work in you know online uh, the online world and, and affiliate marketing, network marketing and helping retirees find a way to boost their retirement income. So we see the stats all the time and they're no different in the States than they are in the UK. Most people are, as you say, they are not the wealthy. They are the ones who thought they would have enough for their life in retirement and have now found through bad advice they've been given mismanagement of their funds and really lack of knowledge and education they're in a pretty dire situation so I guess probably if I'm right that's how you came to write your book
2: yeah I mean it it was our president um was like you know I, I gave a speech and he's like you should write a book about this at one of our at one of our events and I said really and it It turned into just telling the history of how we got in this mess, because if you really think about it, just if you boil it all down, the financial service industry is just built on charging. They're not their services are really they're going to pick investments and they're going to charge you. And then everyone knows that no one knows where the market's going, but yet they're charging you to guess under the guise of fiduciary or CFP or you know diversification, but at the end of the day, they're just selling investments. And I always kind of get hung up on a system. I don't know how it is in the United Kingdom. Do they charge one percent? Is that a typical fee arrangement or or a percentage? Yeah. of yeah. It's a bit That's higher. Yeah. A bit yeah. than that. So yeah. I have trouble accepting that if I spend my money, that person takes a pay cut. Isn't that going to affect their advice? Isn't that going to change? how they try to scare me into not spending my money, how to yeah. scare me into keep taking more risks because I have to find a magic number to retire and be happy. Like the, the crux of their system is built that if you enjoy your money, they take a pay cut. And I just think it's never going to work. You can't and deny that conflict of interest that's inherent in everything you see on TV, the whales, the rocks, the commercials, The arrows, everything's built to scare you or confuse you so you don't do anything so they can keep getting their 1%. And that's what really got me going with the book.
1: So I guess that's how the word Evil Empire came into
2: (laughs) me. Evil Empire. I'm a big Star Wars fan, so you can't, I couldn't (laughs) help it, right? Like, I mean, it's amazing how fast they grew, right? Like, when you look at the numbers in the book, I kind of break out in the first half. 1978 was really the big year in in the U.S. because that's the year they updated the uh, internal revenue code and came up with the 401k, which, you know, know, I'm familiar that obviously in in Europe and the United Kingdom, they have pensions. Well, that was when America basically started to kill the pension and the pension outside of state employees really started to go away. No more private pensions really exist in America now. They're very, very few and far between because- This new idea was take control of your own retirement. You should have the right to make the decisions and you should have the rights to do this. And that sounds great. But what they didn't tell you is we're going to blindfold you and we're not going to tell you anything. We don't know what a 401k is, a mutual fund is, how much it should cost, what does success look like? And when you roll this out in the 80s and 90s, it was literally fish in the barrel for the financial elite on Wall Street because they just charged whatever they wanted they literally were charging whatever they wanted and doing whatever they wanted and the retirees didn't really know any better because this it was brand new no one had ever had a 401k or an ira or or they just got a statement and were like i guess this is what it is i guess i should be getting charged 2% of my life savings every month and for what and that's where when the internet happened in 2000 and you know and and, and we started to get more information and we started to understand what was happening the whole industry started to shift and change and scramble. And and then the book kind of gets fun there because they had a series of pivots to keep dancing to kind of stay out of the crosshairs of information and the the, the people out there trying to fight back.
1: I think it's wonderful. I know when we decided to quit our management consultancy and accountancy practice because we couldn't see us ever having a retirement because we were self-employed running our own business We were at the beck and call of our clients. Yeah, we earned a good income, but like it was crazy. We just couldn't see a way of getting out of it. And because we hadn't actually at that time built a pension, a self-invested pension, if you like, um, like your self-invested 401ks and that, we realised we were in a bit, a bit of a dire situation. <laughs> and I think it's that's appropriate across the world. You know, you've highlighted the issues with people with 401ks that they don't have the knowledge mm. to actually understand what's going on behind. And that's what I love about what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, so one of the things, I mean, one of the things we did when we realised we didn't have a huge pension Pop was we said right okay how how can we build one relatively quickly and we're talking probably early 2000s here 2003 2004 we decided to go into property yeah and we thought well that'll that'll work, that'll work. so we yeah. went and learned how to do it and uh you know off we went 2005 we put some money in properties all around I mean, in actual fact in quite a few different countries as well as the uk including the US, and that wasn't very much of a success. But of course, 2008 came along and uh, that, that, a, that, that that was a tough time for
1: everybody. Oh, yeah, it's very tough. So what
0: What's your thoughts on investing in property for maybe retirement, just to sort of go off a little bit of a tangent here? Yeah, you know,
2: I I think I love how you're thinking. You know, I, I, if you're if you have a niche or even a passion, right? Some of this stuff isn't always related to dollars and cents. It's about the things you love to do. Yeah. Some people have a passion for maybe a little home improvement. They like to the fix her up or they like the idea of managing property. You know, not everything has to be based on a balance sheet. And I always say, you know, when you find your passion that you can make some money doing, it, it's great. You know, there, there's obviously a number of influences. You have single family homes. You have commercial property. Um, I have a real estate company um currently where I probably have 15 commercial properties across the wow. state, but I cheat, Chris and Susan. I cheat. I only rent to myself.
1: Oh boy, boy. <laughs> I
2: only oh. rent to myself. So I'm cheating. Now I can give you a story. My first rental property, my first my, my dad had a couple rentals growing up because he had us boys that work on them. And that's cheap labor, right? Yeah. So so, so we had two boys that could do all the work. But when I I got my first rental property as a single family home and we fixed it up, I spent two or three weeks working there every weekend. And I was so excited. I moved them in. The first night, their child flushed a football and flooded the entire floor. My first night as a landlord, which I think was a sign that this was not the right route for me. But I, I do think you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great read for your clients that they have, and it's one of the most famous books around. And I think there, the way it structures retirement is, don't buy anything unless you have an income stream to pay for it. Is really the crux of the book. And I think real estate can be a great avenue. I think you just got to make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew. Real estate can be a great, uh, you know, alternative investment. It can be a great cash flow. But a lot of times, like you highlighted, it's a long play. Right? You're probably not going to see that income stream until you pay your mortgage off if you're financing it. So, most of those mortgages are 10 to 15 years for commercial property. So, in the back of your mind, you know, if you're going to put it on a 30, which in the US is, is very typical for a home, it doesn't really help you in retirement because all you're doing is building equity. You're not building any income. And in retirement, most people want some income. So, when you're building some of those commercial properties and opportunities, I think it could be a great, particularly people that have unique knowledge to an area or a community. Um, it's a great opportunity to jump in, do a little bit of the dirty work, and then you can have a, a fantastic income stream that you know that pays. Now you have to be a landlord, and you know that that is some of the the the, the you know the drawback. But a lot of people get um, property management companies to step in the middle, so they don't have to do anything, and that just cuts a little bit of your returns out. But being that you guys are in accounting, you know in, in, in the U.S. it's passive income, so yeah, it's, same, it's here.
1: Yeah, same here, same here, yeah. Yeah.
2: so um, it it is a little bit of a tax advantage. There's, there's some great things, but I I love it. I'm, I'm obviously in real estate, so um, I don't have really anything in this. Believe it or not, I'm a, you know, we own a financial services company, one of the largest RIAs in in America, and I don't have any, people ask what my holdings are and I say none. I I don't have anything in the stock market really. I have my my 401k that I have to put in, but most of that stuff is just in mutual uh like uh just cash cash equivalents you know s- safe holdings and I, d- I don't spend a lot of time betting on the ponies i'd rather just go out and like you like you guys did kind of bet on ourselves
1: yeah, yeah. no we we did one of our properties was 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 a love project shall i say we bought a uh, an old barn and an old house in france in the french Alps. we love skiing um and i think this is interesting to people listening because i think it puts all of this into perspectives hence the share, but. We bought it, did it up, had no idea what we were doing. Like that's not our background at all. But we thought it'd be easy peasy, you know, just we'd take have a, the, we'd take have the a,
0: roof off. We'd have and, a manager and it would work out yeah, right.
1: Anyway, long story short, we did, and we rented that to a ski tour operator because it was a beautiful. We turned we turned it into a six bedroom chalet, beautiful, lovely area, you know, and that was great for a few years. Um, and then things as you know, started to change and then we had the pandemic and then we had Brexit and the two combined and we ended up like, we never intended to run a ski chalet business. This wasn't <laughs> okay. in our plans. But, you know, we managed to hang on and we sold it last year.
0: fortunately,
1: And that brought us back our nest egg. And so, you know, it all came round in the end, but it does take perseverance. It takes getting getting really the right mindset about what you're doing. So I guess this leads into a question I really wanted to ask you, which was you, you're really into proper retirement planning, but not the old fashioned retirement planning. And it's not just about money. So can you sort of expand on that? um, So shortcut a little bit of your book. So when people they read it, they can understand it.
2: So, you know, the, beginning middle and end of retirement planning in America has been simply selling investments it's investment centric that's all anyone's ever known or done when you talk about financial planning or retirement planning it's always about investments it's and we that yeah they we flip that on its head and we say listen that's the least important part of What you're doing, if we really think about this logically, like remove yourself from the commercials, the, you know, the TV shows, the talking heads, the radio, and just say, what are we doing here? We have a bunch of stuff. We're retired. We have ideally some type of savings, uh, real property, something. So the mindset for the financial advisor is I've got to find ways to invest that to make money. And the mindset for us, so we don't even call ourselves financial advisors. That's a dirty word in my office.
0: <laughs> it, you know, it, too.
2: <laughs> um, it, we call ourselves retirement planners, and we're not trying to be cheeky. We're just we're essentially trying to reinvent a role where it's like, listen, our job is to start off by putting a fence around your stuff, and that's the majority of our job. You've already done all the hard work, you've you've filled up the buckets, you filled it up, and our job is to make sure there's no leaks and what people don't realize is the leaks that come out there, the four big leaks that we deal with most often are long-term care, which is uh, assisted living, nursing homes, skilled care, aging care, things that, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, that kind of, you need uh, additional care outside of your home. You have taxes where we've been growing, and I don't know how it is in the, in the, in the UK, but our IRAs and 401ks still have to be taxed. So you, they aren't a tax-free and looking yeah, at the wrong. Yeah. Yep. You, so, so there's a huge tax burden there. It's a huge tax liability that no one talks about. They tell you how to put money in, but they don't tell you how to take money out. So that's another missing piece of most retirement pies. The third is just market risk. People are usually driving 95 miles an hour to the grocery store when they could be going 35 I mean, the milk's still going to be there. The cookies are still going to be there. We don't we don't need to be cruising at ninety five. And and I think that is one of the the scary parts because they think that their financial advisor made the adjustments at retirement, but they never do. And then the fourth piece is the fees. You know, no one wants that. Everybody loves. I don't know how it is. I, I know I keep referencing, but the same kind of persona in in America is there's these super nice guys and nice gals that are the relationship financial advisors. So they never want to have the hard conversation of what are you charging me? How much am I paying for my investments and how much am I paying for my fees? And when we take all four of those quadrants and say, here's the four corners of our fence, let's build the fence. That's a lot of work. It requires CPAs. It requires attorneys. It, you have to actually do work. And I don't think financial advisors like that because they, they're they in the business of getting paid a lot of money just to pick investments and really take off Fridays. So when we come in and say, we're going to do all this work, it's a very jarring experience. And at the end, do we put their money in investments? Sure. But that's the easy part, because at the end of the day, like, you know, we're, we're very investment boring. You know, we always say, make your retirement exciting, make your investments boring. We do ETFs and indexes for if you want to be in the market, just a Charles Schwab, you know, low fees, do it the right way, ride the indexes. And then our safe bucket is usually just kind of fixed insurance products that have, Principal guarantees, access, uh, you know, you know, not, you know, average returns. And and the idea being you don't have to play the ponies anymore. Like the, the, you do you want to wake up and check your grandkids sports scores or do you want to wake up and check the stock ticker every morning? And if you want to check the stock ticker, it's not the right fit for us. I mean, that's how we see how they do it versus how we do it.
1: Mm. I think also a lot of people are now well certainly my mum she she passed last year so she was 92 but I mean she was still managing her, her funds albeit with a little bit of help from ourselves now because she couldn't do some of the techie side of things but she would be looking on her phone and looking at the indexes every day because that's the background she was brought up with and she wanted to preserve as much as she could. Obviously, to pass to, to her family. And I think she did an amazing job. And she didn't have a financial advisor. She, she just, just learned loved doing it, it for herself. And I, I'm well, just so amazed at
0: that.
2: There's, there's, there's a, you know, some people enjoy that. That's their hobby, right? Like people yeah. are, you know, when people get to retirement, they want to have hobbies and things to do. And some people like the market and the complexity and all the fun opportunities. That's fine, right? When we see that, we say, hey, let's carve out a piece. And make that your, your fun account and do whatever you want with it. But like, you probably shouldn't be doing that with your life savings or yeah. do you really want to put that amount of stress on it? And, you know, we always joke around saying inflation's not going to cause you to go, you know, pay an extra dollar for milk. Is not going to cause you to go broke? You know, it's a narrative that is keep, you know, being thrown out there to keep people in their system where in my world, Baby boomers know what they're doing. Like they, they've saved. They're, they're grown ups. They don't need to be t- treated like children. And I, and I think that's what's so frustrating. Like they're afraid to spend their money because the market and the narrative has been always so scare driven. Cost of inflation. You know. You know. Cost of living. Need to. You need to have one point two million to retire. Oh, you need one point four million to retire. Oh, you need this. And they don't even know them. Like have you? I don't know if they've even ever talked to a retiree. Like my mom and dad would have, you couldn't get them to spend a a fraction of their life savings in any circumstance. I mean, to get them to replace their carpet is an act of Congress.
0: Yeah,
2: And and they're doing just fine. And I think that's the mentality because they still feel the Great Depression, right? They still had great grandparents that had trouble eating. and, 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 And now this, you know, our generations are a lot different. But back then, baby boomers that have typical values are great savers. And Our biggest challenge, you know, Susan, is to get them to spend their money. I'm not joking. My challenge as a retirement planner and running company is is trying to get people to go out and buy that RV, take that trip to Florida, take that trip to Hawaii, trying to find ways to get them to feel comfortable. And we have some tools to do that, where every year we keep showing them it's the you're not going to run out of money tool. And it takes Oh, a I love years. that.
1: Oh, my God, that's a so great then, headline. I must use that in the blog. I mean,
0: blog. <laughs> I mean that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? Because retirement is not just about money. No. You know, it's, it's about, about your... experiences and enjoying yeah. yourself and, and no, using that money that you've got.
2: Yeah, no one's going to be sitting there on their last breath saying, I'm so glad I hit 1.4 million. No, they're going to say, man, I'm glad I went on that Hawaii trip. I'm glad we went over to Asia. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we did that. We built family memories. I mean, building memories is 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 kind of what life's all about. And somehow it gets lost in retirement. We've thrown around the idea of building a dream department where we hire a travel agent and a buyer.
0: I love that. Um, wow.
2: So, so we, we, we we may start it. We're, we got a lot of things going on. But that's one of the things that we've been really focused on is giving people an excuse to enjoy their retirement because they've been so brainwashed by the industry and the commercials and the, and the scare tactics that they're, they're afraid. And it's sad. And that's why I wrote this book, Fire Your Financial Advisor, is that they don't have to be afraid, right? It doesn't have to be like this. And we have to kind of pull them out of that system slowly, but when they start living their best life again, it's funny. We had this big 2022 kind of, you know, dip, and everybody's like, how'd it go? It's like, went well, great. Nobody called. Because most of our clients don't have money in the market. So, you know, they're happy as a clam.
1: I think That's I amazing. think we have such a great connection because the headline of our website, Living the Retirement Lifestyle, is have fun, travel more, be healthy, and, uh, and make some money. Because if you don't make some money – along the way you can't have some of those extras and that's why people are scared my mum was scared like she'd love to go on a cruise but she wouldn't pay the money to go in an outside cabin until we said for goodness sake mum we don't want the money
0: have a balcony have a
1: balcony enjoy life that's what you've worked so hard for and i think i love that the idea of your dream fund and you know one of our one of our business outlets is a travel club because we speak to baby boomers we know the things they want we they want to be healthy so we help them have a healthy life we know they want to travel so we have an offering of a travel club and we know some people need to top up their retirement funds so we have ways in which we can show them to be passionate about something and and go out there and share that passion and make a little bit of extra money whether it's to put it away, to have the farm, to leave to your family, whatever it is. And now we're going to add another one, which is some decent retirement planning. We are not the experts in uh, that. We don't give advice. But boy, do people need what you have. Really.
2: Well, we, we appreciate that. And it shouldn't be so complicated. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, what we're doing, we try to make up our gift has always been to make things that seem really scary, simple, like our law firm calls it protecting your house from the three big bad wolves, probate, taxes and long term care, right? Well, the financial nice. services, we have the roadmap, we have the fee filter, the market flashlight, the long term care compass, we try to make these tools relatable, and and easy and not intimidating. And And, and I think, that profession has had such, you guys probably tell people are like, is this guy, uh, is, is, is he's the garbage guy showing up? But no, I'm I'm actually the CEO, but th- this is by design, right? We want people to be comfortable. We're talking about other 95 percenters here. They don't need a three-piece suit. I don't have to put my Zenia suit on for them to feel like I can share something that's important. They'd much rather see Greg come in with his hat and be his authentic self Yeah, and, and be honest with them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that people are craving some just straight talk with no frills. Like, what do I need to do? What's going on? How much do I have to pay? And th- those are things that are so kind of murky and complicated. I mean, you've, you've read your financial statements. Can you find the fees on them? Because I can't. Like, I mean, they're they're not in there.
1: No.
0: They're buried. Back page about this big. But
1: we dig around. <laughs> we know what questions to ask. But most people don't, which takes us back to what we said at the beginning. It's lack of knowledge. And that's yeah. why people like yourself writing the books that you do, coming on podcasts like this, having your own TV show, which you do, um, and just getting out there. The more we can share knowledge and get people to take some responsibility for their own actions, because a lot of that is down to that as well. The better we can make it for the generations following behind us. As, we, as you said, we're very lucky. We're in the boomer marketplace. We, Our parents have been through a hard time. They've told us the hard times they've gone through and we've followed their example. What frightens me is our children and our grandchildren, because they're looking at what we've got and going, but I'm never going to have what you've got, Mum and dad. Like, well, you're going to have to do some planning and you need to do it now, not when you get to 50 or 60. Um, And that's so important.
2: I mean, I went on vacation uh, last week and just to dovetail off what you just said, because I couldn't agree more. I think parents have to start parenting again. I was at a vacation and I was so sad looking at tables where four or five people were on the most Turks and Caicos is arguably the most beautiful beach in the world. And all four of them didn't talk for 30 minutes. were just staring at their phones. And, and, and I, I mean, it was everywhere. And, you know, when you stop communicating and, you know, we have a no phone policy at our house, no matter what, even when guests come over, you know, I'll, I'll kick them out. I want everyone to be present. And, you know, we want, we want to, we're there because we want to communicate and, and have conversations with our friends and our family. And that is missing. That's the, that's the secret sauce of building resilient children and resilient workers and, and problem solvers is to actually put the phone down and start talking to people again and start communicating and maybe having some accountability. And, you know, I, you know, some great parenting advice I learned a long time ago is just don't have, don't say no, if it's going to turn to a yes. Just start with a yes. And if you're going to say no, stay with the no. And I think that's like words to live live for a lot of the parents. And if, you know, grandparents are listening and seeing their kids, like, you know, it's not too late to help maybe move the needle a little bit, right? It just made me sad. It made me sad of the lack of human connection that's happening all over the place. I think that's why everybody's so mad all the time. No one talks anymore.
1: I agree. (laughs) Honestly, I agree. And, you know, it reminds me, we were in when we were in Portugal a few months ago, we went to have um, lunch sitting by the beach it was a lovely restaurant just family run there was a note across the bar that says put your phone away talk to one another and enjoy the food and i thought oh my goodness you've actually got to put a sign up that tells people to be real we're in trouble like we're really in trouble but i think you're absolutely right and i and i i love this that this podcast is going to go out onto social media and it's going to share your story a bit of our story and help I hope bring people into the world we're living in today and how we can each of us make significant changes to that for the next generations and help one another now get through this time of our life preserve our money have fun travel and do all the things we should be able to do that maybe we were fearful of because of stuff our financial advisor didn't tell us.
2: I uh I, I couldn't agree more. I hope, I hope, you know, I, I at the end of the day, you know, the beginning of the book and when I'm interviewed, everybody says, What do you want? I want a book that someone would finish. You know, I you know, I, I know I think people think I, I that I hope that people go out and fire their financial advisor. I don't, but I do hope. Well, I mean, it wouldn't break my heart, but what I really want is someone to finish that. I wrote a book that was, that was worth finishing. And I think that, you know, what I, you know, it's very readable. I hear a lot of people say, my husband's never read a book. He read this book in a weekend and, you know, like things like that make me feel really good. And I think the story's very relatable because everyone's like that happened to me. I've heard that. I've seen that. I've heard someone that, and that's the whole point is I've in a unique position where I've been on the legal side. I've been on the financial side, so i I was kind of an undercover, you know double agent at <laughs> when I was the finance when I was the attorney because all the financial advisors would send me all their clients. So I was hearing what they were saying. I was seeing what they were doing. I had the kind of be, you know you know the, the behind the scenes VIP pass and you know I don't think they had any idea I was going to write a book about them. And at the end of the day, you know it, it gave me some very unique perspective, which i which I share in the book.
1: Yeah. I, I think it was absolutely fabulous so I just want to say a big thank you to you Greg for anybody you can see ours is well fun two of us read it at the same time so we have different bookmarks but we'll make sure that we put a link to that on the end of this show um, we'll also get from you in just a moment when we're finished Greg your all of your details of mm-hmm. where they can listen to your show and where they can reach you on social media and things like that but I would like to say a big thank you to you. Big thank you to all of you watching or listening. And we look forward to seeing you on the very next edition of Living the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast.
0: This is the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast with Chris and Susan Beasley.